What's up, Hyperfast Nation? Look, it does not take a lot of money or experience to get started in real estate. My guest today has shown that by starting a local podcast, which has helped fuel his real estate team to one that is now doing over 300 deals per year out in Utah. Welcome to the show, Tony Acosta. Welcome to the show today, Tony. How are you doing? I'm doing so well, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. All right. And you are calling in from Utah, correct? That's Just right. South of Salt Lake City. Good old Utah. That's right. Born and raised. <laughs> All right. Well, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your business and how you got to where you are today. For sure. For sure. And first of all, thank you so much once again for for the opportunity. I, I listened to your show. It's a fantastic show. So I'm very excited to be here. Uh, my beginnings in real estate uh, were, I, I guess you could say humble beginnings. I didn't have any real estate experience at all. Uh, I served a two-year mission for my church. And when I came back, I had plans to go to college. And by chance, uh, I was about 22 years old at the time. And by chance, we ran into uh, my parents have one of their high school buddies who, who also lives here and he was doing real estate and he was already a top producer. And so we ran into him at a burger joint and he started talking to my parents and he's like, Hey, what's your kid doing? What, what is he up to? And my parents were like, eh, not much. They kind of didn't like the idea of me leaving home again after being gone for two years. And so uh, he said, Hey, why don't you swing by the office? You know, I'm doing real estate. And so he was at the time he was looking for someone to help him with his showings because he had a lot of clients. And so he was kind of looking for a showing agent. So reluctantly, I went to his, to his office. Uh, you know, my, my mom went with me. So you can kind of see I was, she was kind of more into it than I was. Uh, but we talked about it. He kind of showed me a little bit of what the real estate world was all about, what the potential was. And so I decided to stay here at home and, and, and get to work in real estate. Uh, it was tough at first because I didn't know anything. I didn't have like a business degree. I didn't, I honestly, I, I knew nothing about real estate in general, but um, I trusted my mentor and I said, Hey, you know, it seems like, like this could be a good thing. And, and we got to work and here we are nine years later. Nine years. All right. In the making. Well, what, what's your business like today? Where have you gone since that, that chance meeting and, and, you know, mentor, uh, you know, introduced real estate to you. Where have you gone since? What's the team look like today? Yeah. So we started out um, just as a showing agent. I did that for about four years. And then uh, at that point, the, my, my broker, he transitioned to lending. And so I became mm. the principal broker. Uh, I was back in late 2017. And so uh, I, I did that for about four years. And so uh, our, our team grew to, uh, at one point, we had about 20, 22 agents in total um, in, in our office. We had kind of smaller little micro teams that would do, that would do showings. So there were about uh, 10 agents that were heavily involved uh, in showings. We were doing almost 300 deals per year. And so there was definitely a lot of growth 
um, in 20, in early 2020, I had the blessing of uh, being invited to be a part of the Forbes Magazine Real Estate Council. So that was a lot of fun. There's also here um, nationwide, there is a, an organization called NAREP, which stands for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. So I had the blessing to uh, be a chapter president for them. And so it's really been a great journey. You know, I've been able to see the impact that real estate has had, not only on families, but on, on agents, on our team members. And so, you know, at, at this time, you know, we're doing about 300 deals per year, 20 plus agents, and just continue to, to try to grow. 300 deals, uh, 20 agents. So close to like one and a half to two, two deals per agent on average. So seems like overall pretty productive team. I love NARAP, by the way. I, I, I've spoken as like a panelist at some other events yeah. in the DC yeah, area. Good. And good, good friend with Rob Chavez, who mm-hmm. is uh, highly active in that group as well. So, um, so that's a, that's a great group to be a part of. And I, I think uh, you know when you can be in groups like that, you don't necessarily go into it probably thinking, oh, this is going to help my business or this is going to help my career, but it just helps you meet a lot of like-minded, successful people. And I think just being around those kind of people like really pulls you forward. Have you experienced that through NAREP specifically? A hundred percent. Yeah, so much. I think there's so much value in just those kinds of networking groups for a couple of reasons. Number one, you learn stuff from other top producers, right? So whether it's other top producing agents like yourself, whether it's lenders, title people, but the educational side of a lot of these networking groups is tremendous. Number two, like you said, just you know, being able to bounce ideas off of like-minded individuals, other people that are winning, people that are doing things differently. And so I've been able to, to take a lot from other folks, whether it's how they run their teams, how they do their marketing, also try to contribute to them in any way that I can. But you know, surprisingly, what one of the things where I think that these kinds of groups help me the most is just to kind of get out of my shell, right? A lot of people, uh, when you talk about doing marketing, whether it's social media marketing, whatever the case may be, a lot of people have that stage fright or they don't really want to put themselves out there. But in going to these events, going up to someone and saying, hey, how are you doing? My name's Tony. Who are you? And just kind of loosening your tongue a little bit and shaking hands, talking to people, I have found just kind of boosts your confidence in being surrounded by people who are on the same boat as you, people trying to grow their business, people trying to help more people. And so you realize that you're not alone in the journey, if that makes sense. And you start to make friends that are also on that same boat as you. And at least for me, that gives that gives you confidence. So the next time the camera turns on or you know, the next time you're on a podcast or something, it just gives you that confidence to kind of put yourself out there because you know that, that you're not doing it by yourself, that the other people have the same goals. And when you can bounce ideas off of them and learn and you're open to learning, I think there's, there's tremendous value there. Yeah. So if you're listening and I totally agree with you, by the way, if you're listening to this show right now and you're an agent, get involved in a local group of some sort of professionals, whether that's something like NAREP or an investor meetup or just whatever it is, get around people that are, committed professionals dedicated to real estate and you know, get involved, go there, have open eyes, open ears, be coachable, ask questions, listen, network. It's, it's going to help you in so many ways, like, like Tony just described. Uh, what? Oh, go ahead. 
No, I, I, I was just going to, you know, piggyback off of that. Every area has a group. Like I said, whether it's NAREP, whether it's um, real estate investors, whether it's, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be real estate centered. You know, for example, I've, I've gone to Toastmasters meetings, just whatever it is, but a, a place where you can meet people, where people can meet you, where you can shake hands, where you can have that interaction has value. Obviously, if it can be real estate centered, even better. But if not, don't, don't just stay home. Uh, go out there and shake hands and meet people. What, um, what would you say, you know, outside of obviously learning, growing uh, through NARAP, uh, what else would you say is like a superpower of yours that's contributed to you professionally in the field of real estate? So surprisingly, I think it's been podcasting, to be honest with you. Um, hmm. You know, when I first started, like I said, I didn't have any experience, zero, zero experience. So the only thing that I could do, I kept trying to find ways to differentiate myself. Um, I didn't have the reviews on Google. I, you know, I didn't have a lot. And so I, I sat down and I kind of asked myself, okay, what do I have? Because it's very easy to focus on what we don't have and say, you know, I don't have the experience. I don't have the clout. I don't have the deals. I don't have the money. I don't have the Mercedes. And so I started to try to focus more on what do I have? And what I realized was that a lot of people were asking me real estate questions um, on basically on a daily basis. So what I started to do is I started to answer these questions on social media. So if somebody asked me, hey, what do I need to do to buy a condo? I would jump on social media and I would answer that question, whether it be on Facebook, later on Instagram. So that kind of helped me develop myself and also try to start making a name for myself in in my community. But then I discovered podcasting. And with podcasting, what has been interesting is that, um, you know, there's this concept called the, the high school party concept that uh, I learned from, from one of my mentors. And if you guys can think back of when you were in high school and kind of who the cool kids were, um, what I discovered with podcasting, especially on a local level, was that if I could throw the coolest party of the year, then the cool kids would want to come to my party, right? So think about back in high school, if there was the cool popular kids, whether that was the football team, the cheerleaders, whoever it was, um, maybe you weren't a part of that group, but your folks went out of town. And if you threw the coolest party of the year, the cool kids showed up, you know, they, they, they hung out, they had a good time. Next day, you're kind of a cool kid too. They say, hey, you want to come sit at our table? And now you're kind of a cool kid too. So what I tried to do was just throw the coolest party in town. And so mm. I started reaching out to business owners, reaching out to even like local athletes at the, at the universities, just anyone within my community that would sit down with me and just talk about life, talk about business. And what I started to find was that people get excited when they have the opportunity to be on a show. People get excited when they have the opportunity to tell their story. And so through podcasting, they would, we do a show, we do a recording, they would share it. And then people would find my page that way. And it was a really good lead gen because the real estate content that I was making by answering questions was already there. And I felt like it was pretty good, but I didn't know how to get people to my page. I didn't know how to get people to my profile to see the content that I was putting out. So for me, podcasting has not only strengthened relationships, I've been able to make a ton of friends, be able to meet influential people in my community. Uh, but by them sharing all of that info and all of those shows, it has kind of been the gateway drug for people to find my content. So is it is it a local, like kind of only podcast, like kind of like what's going on in, in Utah or is that? For the most part, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I try to have it you know, when if there's you know, whoever owns 
you know, the barbershop down the street, whoever owns the Mexican restaurant, whoever owns, you know, whatever it may be. But also, you know, when there's city council uh, elections, when there's, you know, small local elections here, I try to reach out to them, talk to them. And so just really anybody within my community that, that has, you know, that wants to, to speak on their project, on their business. And I found a lot of value in collaborations uh, as well. So, because, you know, entrepreneurs in general, we all want the same thing. We all want to grow and we all want to sell more, meet more people, make more money. And so I have found that, you know, when you find good individuals that also want to do the same thing that you do, it just works, man. I mean, people are willing to talk about their business, tell their story, and they share that content. And, that, and that's that's a way that people can discover you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh this question may be hard to quantify, so you might not be able to answer it. So I'm just warning up front. But any idea from when you started making the podcast to how long uh, after that moment in time it took to get business from doing the podcast or notice an uptick in your business? So I actually got a referral from the first local interview that I did. Oh, wow. So okay. So it was easy to answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, re I actually remember it vividly, but I did. So there is um, a, a young lady in my area that runs like a, like a sports nutrition bar. So she, you know, she sells like protein waffles and she does like shakes and stuff like that. So she's a family friend. And so I brought her on the show. Uh, we talked about her story, her business. And then um, I actually did get uh, a referral. Somebody, somebody reached out based on that show that didn't know me. Um, she shared it. And so, you know, it can be immediate if, if number one, you kind of got to get lucky a little bit, right? You might, if not, you might have to have one, two, three, four, five shows, but by doing it local, I found that, you know, most people, the people that they follow, the people that follow them are local. It's their friends, it's their family, it's the people close to them. So I think it's one of the best, if not the best way to, to get people onto your stuff. Fascinating. Uh, if someone's out there listening, an agent, maybe they're thinking about doing this, uh, but they're intimidated, they're scared um, of either the cost, the time, the complexity to do it. What would you uh, tell them? Like, like how, how hard or how easy is it to go out and start a local community-based podcast? I think it does take a little bit of organization. It's not super complex. Uh, I think the biggest thing is you just have to be willing to talk to people. You have to be willing to, to send 15 DMs a day and just tell people about your project and just say, hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to provide value. I'm a real estate agent. I'm trying to meet people. And what you'll find, again, is that people are, are surprisingly cooperative. Like I, I rarely get no's. Um, you know, people know that I come from a good place. I always try to ask people, Hey, you know, how can I contribute to your business? Do you have something that, that you're trying to pitch that you're trying to grow? And so when, when people feel like there's, there's good energy there and you, you actually want to create a win-win instead of just take, uh, people are surprisingly cooperative. But you know, what I would say is number one, you just can't be scared, right? If you're in business, you're going to have to do marketing in some form or fashion, or you're going to die. So whether that's right. advertising, whether that's social media, whether that's print, billboards, what, whatever it is, you're going to have to do something or you're going to die. And what I have found is that this, this way is a way that it can just be um, at scale where other people can also help 
spread your name and not just make, you know, do it yourself. And there's context there because as you know, you know, the, the leads that always convert the best are referrals. So when, when somebody says, Hey, this person, they, when somebody vouches for you, it's a lot easier to make the sale, if you will. So when you talk about podcasting, when people share your stuff, they're vouching for you. Uh, and I found that it just, it just makes it a lot easier for people to find your stuff, learn about you, trust you. And eventually when that day comes that they need an agent, uh, they'll think of you. Well, the cool thing is too, you know, I love Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Don't get me wrong for, for getting out there, getting in front of people. But the work, the work I, you do on those platforms is very short-lived, with less than 24 hours, if you're lucky. You make a podcast, you make a vlog, you make a, um, you know, something on YouTube or, or a written blog. That lasts for years. So that episode, um, the first one you did that got you a referral, it might get you a referral two years from now. Of course. Right? Yeah. It's still there. So, when it was, it was, it was this chick's birthday, like two months ago. And I shared it. I said, happy birthday. Hey, by the way, I know her, she was on my show and she, she reposted it. What, what about the, like the cost it takes to start up? Obviously like you got to schedule guests, get organized. Um, what about the, the equipment? the technology, the actual posting and distributing. Sure. Um, yeah. What, what kind of costs would, should an agent expect if, if they're going to do that? So when, when I first started, I didn't have a lot of money. So I just, and I didn't even use zoom. I would use Google meet, which was free. And so I had, I downloaded a free kind of screen screen recorder for my, for my laptop. So I had the screen recorder and I would just use Google meet because it was free. That was before the days of zoom. Um, but really all you need is just a laptop and a zoom subscription. And you can connect with anybody in the world. Uh, I just had a prep meeting this morning with someone from the UK. I talked with someone from Australia last week. Mm. And so I think that we underestimate these tools and we try to overcomplicate it. Obviously. Yeah. I like the mic and like this and stuff is cool, but is it necessary to start? Absolutely not. Um, you know, a ton of successful podcasts have, have been built just, just from a cell phone. So don't let that stop you. And as you go, you know, you can invest in a little mic and the arm and the, the soundproof stuff, but don't, don't, don't let that stop you from starting. So basically you could start it up for less than the cost of direct mailing postcards to. Oh, absolutely. hundred dollars. <laughs> 1000%. I remember one of the first things I did yeah. was uh, we all get those like magazines, those like local magazines with a bunch of ads and like coupons and stuff. So um, I mean, you probably get them. I get them. Most of us just throw those away. But what I started to do was just flip through those and I'd say, okay, all of these businesses here, they're paying money to be here. They're paying money because they want people to see them. And so I started to see which one of these businesses had social media accounts. Hold that thought for a second. Do you struggle with how to scale your real estate business without trading your most valuable asset, your time, for money? If so, Carrie and I want to help you. Since March of 2020, we have doubled our sales and tripled our profit. And we want to help you grow your real estate business in a smart way at the Hyperfast Summit in Boca Raton, Florida on February 1st and 2nd. 2022. We're bringing together top real estate leaders to help agents from all over the world. Go to hfasummit.com for tickets. Again, that's hfasummit.com.
Eventbrite.com for tickets. Some did, some mm. didn't. And I said, hey, you know, I'm doing this local show. Uh, would you guys like to come on free of cost? And surprisingly, again, a lot of people said yes. Some people never answered. But everybody that's in business is trying to find more people, find more clients. And so if you can be the person that helps to facilitate that through that be your content or a podcast or whatever, then again, you kind of become the kid that's, that's throwing the cool party and everybody wants to be a part of it and you become a cool kid too. Yeah. Fascinating. I, I agree 100%. What, uh, what ways do you promote it? Right. So obviously you do the video record. So I assume you put it on YouTube and then all the listening places, you know, Spotify, yeah. iTunes, all that kind of stuff, Google sound. Uh, how do you get the word out? I assume your, your guests probably help promote it because they want to be seen. And, mm-hmm. and, and that That's really see. been the, the biggest thing. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do run, you know, Facebook, Instagram ads. Uh, we have done some, some YouTube ads as well, though they are more expensive. Um, so, you know, local ads, if there's a donut shop in my city, you know, and, and I'll tell this to the business owner, you know, if, if, if I have a budget, let's say whatever the budget is, I'm going to put a hundred dollars per episode or whatever in ads, I'll, I'll, I'll let them know. And I'll say, Hey, you know, come on my show and I'm, I'm going to run Facebook ads. I'm going to tag your business. And again, it's just kind of providing value. And so, um, you can run ads on it. But honestly, the biggest thing is just those people and the people around them sharing it because when they do that, they vouch for you. For example, you know, I, I, I had a young man on the show the other day, he shared it, his dad shared it, his mom shared it, his brothers and sisters shared it, his aunt shared it. Like there was like 15 people that shared his episode because they were super excited that he was on. And so, you know, that episode got a ton of downloads because over 20 people shared it because they were proud of, you know, their, their family member that was on his first podcast. So it's, it's crazy how just organically it can grow. If, if you just give people a chance and if you work on providing value. Yeah. What I, what I like about it is that you don't need experience. You don't need a ton of money. And, and I always like pointing out things to people that they can do if, if they don't have experience and they don't have money because that's, a lot of people let that become their mental barrier to, to, to getting in the game, right? Absolutely. And this is, you know, real estate provides a lot of ways to start without experience, without money. This is a, a great way to do it. And what I really like about this one is the longevity of it and how it can, it can kind of grow organically in an exponential manner. I'm, I'm sure when you first started it, you probably had, to send 10 or 15 DMs yeah, and of course. maybe you still do that, but you probably get a lot of people that just ask to be on it now at this point. Yes. Uh, yeah, of course, because you, you, you become this place where you highlight other people instead of talk about yourself, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's obviously a place for advertising and, and salesmanship and things like that. That's also important. But if, if you can give people an opportunity to share their own story and share their own stuff, um, they will, they will value that. And not to mention the friendships that you make. I mean, a lot of these people that have been on, on the show, they have later purchased homes with me or I've listed their properties. Um, and so, you know, just from that, from that alone, I mean, I've probably gotten over 25 deals just from guests, right. Not even mentioning the, the, the people that come, you know, that they know. So 
you also, it's also an opportunity to show people that, that you're professional, that you know what you're talking about. And so for me, that's also been another layer to this that I've also been able to help my guests with their real estate needs. Amazing. If you're listening to this and you're a real estate agent getting started or just looking to add another pillar of success and you don't have a podcast, this is a great way to, uh, to do that. Uh, real quick, or, or maybe a little bit longer than real quick. How has your business been since March of 2020? Since since the the lockdowns, the pandemic, what's 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 going on in your market, and how have you uh, reacted to it? So I was actually very nervous when the whole lockdown came. I thought, oh man, like they're not going to let us do showings. We're not going to be able to do anything. And for a time, it was it was incredibly slow. You know, I, I'd probably say March, April, May was was pretty slow, but after that, it just ramped up like crazy. Like it was a market unlike anything we have ever seen here in Utah. We're talking about, you know, 30 offers, 40 offers per home. We're talking about, you know, wow. a bunch of ca cash. Yeah. It was insane. We're talking about people putting 40, 50, 60, $70,000 above appraised value, waiving all contingencies. Like it got so competitive unlike anything we had ever seen because there was such low inventory, right? Were you, were you being invaded by Californians? We were. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. No, we started seeing a lot more cash offers, <laughs> a lot more people coming in from out of state. And, you know, at one point in the entire state of Utah, there was only 2000 homes listed. So, you know, there was more agents than homes. Wow. Um, so that just created that whole entire dynamic. It has died down quite a bit. You know, now listings have probably doubled, um, but it's been, it's been crazy. You know, those of us that thought that there was going to be a slowdown, not at all. It, it got, it got very, very hot. Yeah. When I was, when I was out there, I told you I was out to Utah in September for elk hunting, which was an amazing place to do it. And uh, maybe you should interview those guys. That, that guy's we got to interview those guys <laughs> on your on your podcast, Porcupine Adventures. They they were awesome. Yeah. But uh, we we were driving somewhere. I think maybe it was right after the airport, and I, and I saw a big billboard. I thought was pretty funny that stuck out. It said, "You know, want to make an extra hundred thousand dollars?" Yeah. And the next one was like, "List your home." I I forget who it said with, but then the third one said sell to someone from California. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's true. It's true. Um, it's true. That definitely caught my attention. You know, good, good uh, humor in that ad. And, and yeah. but what, what do you think? It, where do you think it goes from here? Like, what are you anticipating or planning on or trying to plan for in the next six to 12 months in your market? So I think that it's, it's still going to be very good because of rates. Rates are still low. They're supposed to go up. I anticipate that rates are going to, that they're going to, you know, start to start to escalate. But when it comes to the actual appreciation of homes, I think that that has to slow down. I mean, the appreciation, the appreciation over the last two or three years has been 20 plus percent per year. I don't find that to be sustainable. You know, even, even right now, the median, you know, home price here in Utah is like 540, 550. And so it does get to a point where it becomes unaffordable and we don't want to become California, right? Right. Where, you know, a two bedroom home that's a hundred years old is $800,000. So I think that when it comes to appreciation, it does have to slow down. And I think that we'll see that 
Um, but I think that it's still going to be relatively good. I mean, all of the, the, the forecasting for the state still point to a strong market. Uh, I think that they were saying that nationwide and in 2022, the forecast is that uh, there'll be 1 million more homes sold. So I think that it's still going to be a strong market. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the, that, that crazy appreciation, I'm, I, I just listed a home a couple of days ago, they bought 10 months ago and they're selling for a hundred thousand dollars more. Wow. Right? Well, so that can't happen every nine months. In all fairness, if, if you just go by replacement costs, it probably costs a hundred thousand dollars more to build that exact oh, home for sure. than of it course. did a year ago. Of course, of course, and you and know, I we're think printing that, dollars and we're which is called contributing to inflation, I think. I agree and, with you. And we have uh, these supply chain issues, uh, issues, seem and shipping issues that just seem to be, you know, no end in sight yet, at least. Yep. And you know, every everything that you put into a house is is more oh, expensive. It's and tremendous. harder to get. Yep. And I agree with you 100%. I just don't think that that can be sustainable. Like I, I, I just don't see a scenario where home prices go up by a hundred thousand dollars every year. You know, I think at some point we're going to have condos for a million bucks if that happens, you know, and well, we, we have that in DC. Um, yes. Right. In, in, oh yeah. yeah easy. Uh, we're in my market. Not now that's not your starter condo, but oh, of course um, we, we definitely have two bedroom type condos. 1200 square feet that are in that price range and um you know a lot of a lot of builders right now are pulling pulling back a little not oh they're not struggling cause, not because they're afraid of prices they're of sales prices they're afraid of uh building prices and how long it will take them to build how long you know what, what will happen with concrete wood steel appliances windows and, and how how long will they get them and what will the prices be? So, yeah, we're seeing that out here too. Uh, we had, There was actually a big story, big, big story about six months ago of a builder that just quit. He's like, hey, I'm done. I'm not going to build anything. Like all the yeah. contract, all the people, like the houses were framed and they're like, yeah, we're not going to touch them right now until this whole thing gets sorted out. And so it was a big story. So you, they you just add, pulled it. You know, you, you play that scenario out if, if home builders are like, screw it building homes too much of a pain in the ass right now well that means less supply so it means less supply which continues to drive prices up absolutely and you reach a point where like in many other states for example in california you know i know a lot of people that they have to bunch up to buy a home you have to have three four or five people on an application to be Mm -hmm. able to do it because you know it just doesn't match the wages right so 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 people have to collaborate and they have to have co-signers and stuff to be able to buy to buy homes which increases the difficulty but as as you say supply it's always supply and demand i I think a pause in this rapid price escalation hey hold that thought for a minute are you a real estate agent in the dmv area or thinking about becoming a real estate agent in the dmv area why not join the highest selling team in the DMV. The Kerry Scholl team is hiring more agents. We have the best training systems, the best culture, and the best environment to get you to the next level, whether that's starting out and getting to six figures or getting from six figures to 250 or to half a million or even beyond. Go to kerryschollcareers.com. Again, that's kerryschollcareers.com. Would, would be good just because I think I it puts a lot of stress on 
on on you know when it, when it's like it was last spring 20 offers 40 offers Crazy. that's so many wasted man hours on all of those buyers buyers agents loan officers that lost out right so i think it's hard on the entire system and people's emotions and and i, th I think a pause in the sales prices would be great or at least a slowing down of the increase but it's hard to imagine that if if construction prices continue to go up so yep. or at least just like a, a slower increase something more more normal you know we're from five to seven percent a year okay great but 20 to 25 percent per year that that's that's intense yeah did you have any buyers in the last year or so that just kind of threw their hands up and were like we'll stay in our home longer. We're, yep. we're, we're done with this process. Yep. Yep. A lot of people said, Hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to renew my lease for another year and let this whole COVID thing pass and let's see what happens. And so um, I get it. And, yeah. and, always, and always kind of the natural agent rebuttal to that is, Hey, prices are going to keep going up. It's going to be more expensive, but a lot of people, you know, in, and I made a video about this when it was in, in the thick of it, you got to have a stomach. If you're going to go out there and compete with 30, 40 people, you, you might lose 10 times. You might lose, you know, and like yeah. you said, it's, it's wasted you know, hours of work and stuff. So you got to have a stomach and you got to be willing to compete. And some people have a lot of cash. Some people don't have a lot of cash. Some people are using down payment assistance programs so they can't waive contingencies, even if they wanted to. So, you know, people like that, that are kind of in a tough spot. Um, absolutely. They say, Hey, I, I can't compete right now. And I'm, I'm just going to hold off. Well, I first, heard about bitcoin in 2016 at a, at a tony robbins conference and i did, did you buy it was it was like 600 dollars at the time <laughs> and i was like oh it was but it already i think it hit a thousand a few months prior and i'm like yeah oh, who would want this and i how do i do this and i have to go on my phone and download all these apps <laughs> too and, complicated yeah like and at the end of the day it's just some made up zeros and ones like and, who knows what it is <laughs> and now right. i i think it's a hundred times that yeah i think it was sixty-six thousand as, as of this morning yeah so um not quite as you, you know if, if you missed out on buying a home a year ago and it went up 10 percent, that's not quite as bad um as, as you know me replaying that scenario in my, sure. my head um <laughs> So, no, and I think, and, and I think that we can, you know, in, in most cases, no, for sure. And I think that in most cases, if it's possible to buy sooner rather than later, it's just a better move. Yeah. Um, but what, what we started to see was people that wanted to, but they just, they just didn't have the, the cash, you know, cash above appraisal for about eight weeks was a must. And if you didn't have right. cash above appraisal, you would lose every single time. There was no way there was it was just mandatory. Like if it was a pre-approval letter, you have to have cash above appraisal or they're not even going to look at your offer. So a lot of folks don't have 10, 20, $30,000 aside from their down payment and their closing costs. They just don't have it. So in that, in that situation, a lot of people said, well, I'm, I'm just going to wait for it to cool down. And so now that we're not seeing that much heat, people are starting to be like, okay, let's, let's try this again. Well, hopefully those people that missed out last year, you, you can, you can get them in on, on, you know, next, ne next year or into this sure. year, um, you know, more, a little, little bit more inventory. I know, as you said, in most markets, but still moving at a, a decent pace if it's priced accurately. For sure. um, 
do you have trouble managing seller expectations now? That's, that's another thing that sometimes comes up because, you know, they hear about their buddy who in May, we'll call May the, the peak of the spring market. And every real estate market has like long-term cycles and seasonal annual cycles. Yeah. Right? It seems, seems to always peak in spring. Then people go on summer vacation, okay. it cools off as you come back to spring or school, then they go back to school and it goes back up until yeah. the holidays and, uh, you know, takes a dip and or rest until spring again. But do you, do you have cases where sellers are like, my neighbor got 40 offers when he lists his home back in May and 100K over ask. So if we list at this price, um, you know, I, I, think, I think we should get 40 offers and $100,000 over ask. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's right now, that's, that's something that a lot of people are dealing with. One of the reasons why I, I try to answer questions on social media and make a lot of content is because in most cases, the people that work with me, they, they've already watched a lot of my stuff. So I talk about this all the time on social. And so a lot of the sellers that I work with, obviously not all of them, but a lot of them, they kind of know what's going on. Like they kind of know what happened before, kind of what's happening now. I talk about that extensively um, on social. I try to give as many updates as I can on the market. And so it all just comes down to education. You know, most sellers, of course, there are going to be people that, yes, they say, hey, my buddy sold for, for a ton. If I don't do the same, then I don't want to sell. But in most cases, if they can receive the proper information um, and if there is an effort more so to educate versus just sell, um, I think, you know, people, people align themselves and, and they understand the, re you know, the reality of, of the moment in time that they're in. Um, and it usually works out. All right, Tony, this has been amazing. Uh, I always like to end with a hyper fast round if you're ready for some Let's do it. questions and answers. All right, what's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent? Talk to as many people as you can every single day. What's one thing that experienced real estate agents do not do that you think they should do? Talk to as many people as you can every single day. <laughs> what's the biggest challenge you've had in your business career and how'd you overcome it? Uh, I think finding the right people to, to be a part of our team and making sure that, you know, it's people that share our values that you know, are going to come in and be be coachable. Um, that part has, has been a challenge. If you had to start over, you couldn't take the podcast with you. You couldn't take your reputation. You couldn't take any money. You couldn't take your Rolodex. Uh, I know you probably don't have a Rolodex, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You couldn't take any of that with you and you had to start over. What would be the first thing you do? Uh, I think I would just start the exact same way that I did find whatever tool I could, whether that be Facebook or whatever, so whatever platform is there and just start talking about real estate. Just start sharing what I know, not trying to be something that I'm not just, you know, if I had a CE class, I would, I would share what I learned. If somebody asked me a question, I would post it. I would share it. So uh, I would, I would go on the internet and just try to share as much knowledge as I possibly could. All right. Last question. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? 10 years from now, interesting question. Um, a larger, a larger team, hopefully doing deals in different States, um, you know, and focusing more so on the, on the trading side versus the sales side. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the goal. All right, Tony, this has been amazing. I love your story. I love the different ways, low cost, no experience needed ways that you've, 
uh, come up with to generate and expand and grow your business organically now doing over 300 deals a year. So hats off to you. Thank you for the value you added to our listeners today. If people want to connect with you, learn more about you, listen to the podcast or buy or sell real estate uh, you know, in your area, how should they do that? How should they? For sure. Well, where, wherever you listen to your podcast, the, the, my show is called the Ask Tony Show. Um, social media, whether whatever platform you use, I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at underscore Tony V2 or just search the hashtag Ask Tony. You'll, you'll probably find me. Um, so Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. Uh, we're on Twitter, but the most active one is probably Instagram and then the podcast, which is on a- Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So yeah, shoot me a DM. All right. Thanks a lot, Tony. And to all of our listeners and viewers out there today, thank you for tuning in. Please leave us some feedback. We love your comments and share this with other people that could benefit from hearing it as well. I'll see you next time. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.